2: Welcome back. It's the World Soccer Talk Podcast, the only podcast that focuses on watching soccer on TV, online and apps. In episode 135, we feature an exclusive interview with the lead NBC Sports producer to pre- preview the season's coverage of the Premier League. We discuss the major streaming announcement deal that happened this week that could change the way you watch sports and entertainment, plus we bring you up to speed on everything you need to know about uh, this weekend's opening of the Premier League season, plus letters from you, the listeners, in our mailbag section. My name is Christopher Harris, aka The Gaffer, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kartik Krishnaya. Karthik, we're recording this on Thursday, um, Thursday morning, Eastern time before the transfer deadline day has ended. So a lot of listeners that will be tuning in will, um, this probably be, it'll probably be after the fact. What's your initial thoughts about um, the Sky Sports coverage of the transfer deadline day that you've seen so far?
1: Oh, it's awful. I mean, I just I've had it on uh, this morning and they um, they haven't changed their presentation, right? It it might as well have been 2011 when we used to watch this on Fox Soccer Channel. They're very uh, hysterical about any sort of pending deal. Uh, They they focus on the bigger clubs. Now, I, I notice now they do have a, a on the screen Danny Drinkwater has completed his, uh, his medical at Burnley. So that's nice that they're doing, They're covering a club like Burnley a little bit. Although, again, that's Drinkwater coming from Chelsea. So um, that, that might be the, the reason. But there's just very little discussion or analysis of what's going on in this window for clubs outside the top eight or ten let's say so for example i think brighton is is close to making as, as we record this a very uh very good signing in aaron moy they made a good signing in neil maupay who's been a fantastic player for brentford the last few seasons i haven't heard any discussion of that this morning uh aston villa has made some very very big signings this summer arguably villa has had the best transfer window of any club in the premier league you mm. could argue that yeah uh, there's been no discussion of that, uh, that I've seen thus far on Sky. I've had it on for, for well over an hour now. So, uh, I, I, uh, I think that they're different than NBC SN, even though now they are, uh, they are joined at the hip in terms of both being under the Comcast umbrella. NBCSN, which we will see later today, and by the time people listen to this, they would have seen NBCSN's coverage, will take every single side in the Premier League, including the newly promoted signs. I mentioned Aston Villa. They'll look at Sheffield United, uh, and they'll look at Norwich as well, who they're showing tomorrow on their air. Um, and they will analyze their moves, which mm-hmm. is something that Sky doesn't seem uh, – like they want to do now it's a little bit odd Chris because Sky does show um, the championship they do show they do have to show all these Premier League matches but I think they're just looking for headlines and a certain degree of sensationalism in their coverage which is very different than what NBC does.
2: The, the coverage of uh, Sky Sports uh, Transfer Deadline Day has almost become a cliche in terms of the, some of the things, I, and I haven't even watched it today, but I'm sure the things we normally expect as far as kind of that car window interview. Yep, yep, uh, yep. You mean pizza, Had a few of those already. Uh, pizza being delivered on set. Uh, Jim, um, Jim whatever his surname well, Jim is. Jim White. Jim White, right, come, appearing on set and then pre- pretending to be on the phone with an agent and, and those types of things. It's... Uh, it's 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 almost like they're making fun of themselves, um, <laughs> but they don't know what else to do. And 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 that's the thing, though, too, is that that there is to me there is a difference, a, a stark distri- a difference between NBCSN, Sky Sports News, but then also Sky Sports. So Sky Sports, in terms of the Premier League coverage and the TV coverage of games themselves, are on a different level than Sky Sports News, which are more your. Uh, kind of your beat reporters and from around the country, and it's more sensationalized. And then NBCSN, which is kind of the really kind of the pinnacle in many ways, uh, of especially in the United States. But more of a um, eloquent and kind of higher brow analysis for the most part. Although they have over time kind of tried to become more mainstream with some of the things they've they've done. Um, it'll be an interesting season, and, and actually that, that's a, that's a kind of a good preview for the interview um, we have a little bit later in this episode with Pierre Moussa, where I asked him, I said, okay, in terms of the balance between NBCSN and Sky Sports, like, how do you balance that? I mean, you are NBC Sports, you have, your parent company has acquired Sky Sports, how much Sky Sports uh, content are you willing to include in NBCSN and are you afraid or concerned about losing the, the NBCSN identity? So he answers that question and he goes into a lot of detail about that. So that's coming up in this episode. Kartik, this past weekend, uh, opening weekend of the championship, uh, I always enjoy watching it because it is one of those. um, It it reminds me of the Premier League about ten years ago, or maybe even twenty years ago, but definitely ten years ago. Say like two thousand and actually probably two thousand six. So a little bit longer than that, where it is. entertaining um it it is end to end action it's more open it's uh less uh, pragmatic sometimes i mean it, especially in the premier league too if you're in the bottom half a lot of teams go into games just being very pragmatic just parking the bus just trying to hold on for a, a draw a draw against manchester city is kind of a huge achievement while in the championship it it's all open it's all i mean yes you have some teams that play more defensive football But for the most part, it is open, attacking-minded football, um, a lot of dribbling. It it, it is end-to-end action. Yeah, you get defensive mistakes, too. And um, the first game of the the, uh, season, Luton Town against Middlesbrough. uh, Here, I had a chance to watch a game televised from Kenilworth Road for the first time in probably, I don't know, a couple of decades. It's it's been a long time since uh, Luton has been uh, in that division. But it ended 3-3. Uh, I missed the second half, but uh, it was a really entertaining game. And um, what about you, Kartik? I mean, what did you watch uh, championship-wise this past weekend? What were your thoughts?
1: Well, I tried to cram it in. I was traveling with Miami FC uh, to our NPSL title game with the Cosmos in, in New York. So uh, landed at LaGuardia right away, fired up um, this match, Luton and, and Middlesbrough, but then had to catch a, 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 a cab to uh, Long Island and to the to the Hotel. so i was trying to uh, uh i traveled back with the team i didn't travel up with the team i traveled up separately so i was trying desperately to to watch this match it came in and out i saw a couple of the goals uh but three three very entertaining next morning we have our team breakfast um and we end at nine forty five. great timing and in fact like every soccer uh soccer uh, uh anything associated with United States are always Fulham fans around, right? So, yeah. um, you know, it, it, them especially motivated to go back up to my hotel room, keep an eye on Fulham and Barnsley, and this was uh, a bit of a stunner. Barnsley uh, promoted back to the championship. They're a bit of a yo-yo club between the championship and League One in recent years. Get the result against Fulham, 1-0, uh, and a very poor performance from Fulham. Um, was able to watch the Huddersfield Derby game uh, when I uh, – well, I um, and West Brom, I was able to keep an eye on after our team lunch, just the second half of that. We then had team lunch at noon. Uh, after lunch, you have some uh, uh, free time before the team meeting and the team meal before you bust out to the match. So it caught a little bit of the, of the uh, Forest match. But then on uh, Monday, Huddersfield and Derby. I was really excited to see this match, to see uh, how Darby looks under Philip Koku and how Huddersfield uh, – is going to look, having been relegated, but having kept much of their team intact. At uh, Huddersfield did not look very good, and, and it was a uh, impressive result for Darby. Darby continuing to hunt promotion, continuing to be close every year. Is this going to be the season they finally get over the hump? I don't think so because there's so much uh, competition at the top of the championship. But obviously, uh, the Wayne Rooney news that came later in the week is a big boost to them. Uh, they'll have Wayne Rooney leaving Major League Soccer and going to uh, D- uh, going to um, uh, Derby in January. So that, that should be a big boost for them. Also, outside the championship, uh, in between Miami FC, uh, things in New York, uh, able to keep an eye on RSL, New York City FC, just because that was on all the televisions in New York City when we got back <laughs> – from winning the championship uh, and uh, uh, that game was at Salt Lake and Salt Lake won 3-1 and then the Atlanta LA Galaxy game watched on tape uh, when they replayed it the next day uh, in my hotel room and that was a pretty impressive performance from Atlanta United winning uh, 3-0. Then later in the week watched Atlanta United beat Orlando 2-0 in the U.S. Open Cup semi-final. Uh, and that was again a, a fairly impressive performance. A lot of criticisms of DeBoer from uh, writers, ju- uh, journalists, and Atlanta United fans. But they're right there knocking on the door. They're sitting second in the Eastern Conference which is by the way where they finished last season. Remember Red Bull won the Supporters' Shield last year and uh, they are in the U.S. Open Cup final. So for all the critiques of uh, Atlanta United not being easy on the eye this season compared to last year under Tata Martínez know uh, they're doing fine. Uh, they, they, they started slowly and probably since May they are as good as they were last season in reality I mean if you just look at results so and they're good and they have a chance to, to win the US Open Cup mm-hmm. in the final against Minnesota United So that's basically been my week. a lot of championship and a lot of Atlanta United.
2: Yeah, it's. it's uh, I mean, Major League Soccer is a very forgiving league in terms of. I mean, it's a long season. Um, a team can be cold in the beginning and then start to get hot later. Uh, and when I say it's very forgiving, it's it's not like say the the Premier League, where you have Manchester City and Liverpool going, going on this incredible run throughout the entire season and neck and neck at, at the top. I mean, you, you could, essentially with Major League Soccer, you just need to make it into the playoffs and and then progress from there. Um, but still. Um, Congratulations to Atlanta and uh, also Minnesota, too, for um, reaching the U.S. Open Cup final.
1: Yeah, um, and I should say that I I got a lot of insight on Minnesota this week on the Miami FC trip. Obviously, Harrison Heath, the son of – I I call him Inchi Jr. He doesn't particularly (laughs) like that. The son of Adrian Heath, um, we talked a lot about what he's doing. Uh, in Minnesota and how he's been able to turn it around this year. And by the way, just shout-out here. Uh, I did, He did not tell me until right before we bust out to the game on, on Saturday. His dad got inducted into the Everton Hall of Fame this past year. So congratulations to him and, and uh, uh, always a, an Everton man, uh, Adrian Heath. So that's, uh, that's great news.
2: Uh, just a couple more games I watched uh, this past week. Of course, the uh, FA Community Shield, Liverpool against Manchester City, uh, Martin Tyler and Stuart Robson uh, on the call for this one uh, on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, good quality with HD stream and, and always, I mean, two of the best commentators in the business. And uh, no preview show, no halftime show, no post-match show from ESPN. Um, they, they were using the wool Feed. Um, so we just got kind of what the wool Feed g- gave us, which was Okay. Uh, It'll be interesting just to see this season, especially, um, I mean, ESPN Plus is like, what, over a year old now, Uh, whether or not they start to have their own kind of their own crew, their own talent doing some of the previews, because it would add to the uh, enjoyment level, I believe. I mean, to me, uh, to get some analysis, maybe halftime from uh, a Craig Burley or even
1: Paul Mariner or whoever may be uh, post-match too. This was a topic of conversation last night in in the press box of the Napoli-Barcelona uh, match in Miami where I, I was talking to some people about the Serie A package on ESPN and ESPN Plus. And there, there seems to be um, among media members some concern that ESPN is trying to direct Serie A fans to listen to the podcasts they produce on Serie A, the Serie Awesome podcast. And I think there's one other uh, that they that they produce uh, for pre- and post-match analysis rather than actually presenting it as part of a package with uh, their matches, be it uh, an ESPN Plus match or a match that they put on ESPN News or ESPN twos. So keep an eye on that because it's not just the championship and and, uh, uh, the FA Cup and League Cup that, is eliciting that concern but it's also uh seria uh, we've seen reports that they'll acquire the bundesliga next year we, we talked about that last week it would be the same issue there so i think that there's um and, and i have to re- reiterate the espn fc show is really good in covering these leagues we're talking about the leagues that they have on their air uh, uh they're good at covering everything but especially those leagues they have on their air however they don't present that in the in, during halftime pre your post game you have to go uh, seek that out separately so uh, this is something i think uh chris you've hit on something that that people are talking about privately uh a lot of whispers about this and something we're gonna have to keep watching but that that's the thing
2: though too karthik is what are we missing by not having it so with, you mean by not having it um, i mean espn or, or even the consumer the consumer can say well for 499 or 495 a month me and you mean am I might do I expect it I probably don't expect it for that price uh, just giving me the live access to the games and on demand um, that's fine that, that's enough and uh, I don't know I, I mean to me like what could they add to say say the FA community shield in terms of halftime analysis I mean how many of us actually tune in and stay and and, and tune in before the match? Halftime and post-match uh, for that analysis. I mean, because most of the time it, it's just uh, opinions. I mean, sometimes it could be, especially if it's pre-match, talking about the lineup. If there's any any, uh, any controversial decisions or any last-minute changes, but a lot of that stuff we can get from social media anyway. I mean, not 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 to diminish uh, ESPN's analysis, but I, I just wonder if if you I mean if it makes sense to have that because I mean ESPN Plus has so much coverage of so many games. If they did pick and choose and say, "Okay, well, we're going to do some analysis of the Serie A." Now, Serie A to me would be a smart, smarter move because the U.S. audience, for the most part, probably needs a little bit of um, yeah information, a little bit more information than say we would for say pre- the Premier League, where we know the players, we know the teams, we we know the the rivalries, and we we know what's going on a, a lot more. Say than Serie A, where we m- maybe need some. Uh, context and and maybe that's it maybe the context is part of it is um, without being condescending maybe that's where we need especially Serie A, which which um, is a great league I mean has all the coverage on ESPN plus as well as the weekly game on, on television but perhaps that's it
1: yeah um, I don't know what the balance is. I mean, the the, the thing that we found, uh, Chris, is that, ES, uh, is that NBC, as time has gone on, uh, do cover and do talk a lot about how the Premier League clubs are doing in cup competitions and in Europe uh, on their space because they have so much in the way of bumper programming. Uh, and I guess that will be enhanced this season with, with uh, the, the synergies with Sky that maybe you just uh, inevitably, if you want analysis of a League Cup match or or a uh, uh, an FA Cup match, you're going to wait till NBC has the Premier League the following weekend and, and uh, get some analysis there. Although, uh, I'll, unless you, as I said, seek out ESPN FC for the Championship, though, I think it's a little alarming, Chris. This will be the third year that the Championship has been on uh, either ESPN three or ESPN plus, and they haven't done anything to, um, to kind of wrap around the coverage at all. Uh, even having yep. even a half an hour championship wrap-up show or 15 minute championship wrap-up show uh, on uh, the ESPN plus platform. So that's a, or a podcast because they're, they're heavy into podcasting now ESPN plus just something that would are, that would, I uh, I said ESPN Plus, excuse me. ESPN FC is heavy into podcasting. Something that would enhance the coverage of the Football League, uh, which they they show like this weekend. One, there were four, five maybe? I can count four, but I, I think there was a game on Sunday also. Five Football League matches on yeah. uh, ESPN Plus this yeah. weekend? Yeah,
2: Sunday was uh, Bristol City against Leeds United. Uh, another game that reminded me of the glory days of the Premier League. Uh, I mean, a- Ashton Gates, just a... A great game, and actually this one, Leeds United, showing again, like they did at the beginning of last season, how scintillating they are and how much uh, endurance they have in terms of just uh, looking so formidable, winning this game pretty comfortably 3-1. Um, but speaking of Serie A, Kartik, so, uh, like you, you were at the game, the Barcelona-Napoli um, Serie A, La Liga Cup in Miami, the first leg, um, and I watched it on ESPN+. This one is interesting because at Serie A, and I'm not sure if you caught this, but on the advertising sign, sign boards around the pitch at times, they were advertising the Serie A coverage. And they said, OK, Serie A yeah. starting yeah. August 24th on ESPN Plus and ESPN. And, and that's a really smart move. Um, the challenge, the, 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 well, the shame of this whole thing at the Karthik is originally the, the season was scheduled to start on the 25th. Uh, on Sunday, August 25th. And ESPN had slotted, on, on the main flagship ESPN network, had slotted in um, the first game of the season, which was going to be Parma against uh, Juventus. It was going to be on ESPN. And what a way to kick off the season that that would have been. But Serie A, due to you mean television, they changed the schedule around. So they moved the Parma-Juventus game to the Saturday on ESPN, so the uh, 24th. And because that's a Saturday, and because you know what happens on ESPN, and you yep. know how competitive that space is, they will no longer be able to show that game on ESPN. That game will be on ESPN Plus, and instead they'll they'll show another game on they'll they'll show a different game on ESPN on that it, Sunday. It's,
1: it's but it's made the same. Yeah, it's a made worse by that day. Actually, on ESPN is. Uh, is being set aside to commemorate the 150th anniversary of American football as a sport, 150th anniversary of college football. And they've actually moved a uh, you know, big rivalry game we have here in the state of Florida, Miami versus uh, the University of Miami versus the University of Florida, which is being played in Orlando, uh, which is kind of midway between the two schools, uh, or at least to somewhat neutral site. Uh, they've moved that game to August 24th as a celebration of that anniversary. So <laughs> it means we're not going to get to see Juve. You have to watch yeah. Juve at ESPN+. Now, Juventus um, is, I think, so much of the talk this um, – Summer, in terms of European football, has been about Juventus specifically and Sarri's style. And is that what can carry them over the top to win in Europe finally, win the Champions League? I'm really excited to see them play. And now that opening game, which would have been something they could have built up for weeks, right, will yeah. be on ESPN+. But yeah, so they were advertising that quite frequently during the match yesterday. It was... Uh, um, it, it, it was actually refreshing to see because I don't, I'm not sure the promotion had necessarily been there last season. Remember, they secured the rights really late. Mm-hmm. Uh, ESPN did uh, via IMG, but there's been a, a sufficient amount of promotion this season about uh, that, them having the Serie A package.
2: Yeah, it's just a shame, though, too, that uh, Serie A couldn't sit down with like the, their global television partners and say, OK, all right, here's what we're thinking. What, what do you guys think? Should we do this or should we stay with the, the palma Juventus game on the Sunday espn would say hey stick with it because we'll show it on national the flagship espn network that's going to get into you mean 100 plus million homes uh if you move it to the saturday we put it on espn plus which is okay but you mean far fewer homes uh, approximately what two million subscribers a lot of which are not interested in sarko as well as other other broadcasters but uh Presumably, they were probably looking, listening to Sky Italia and Sky Italia was saying like, "Yeah, let's put put that on Saturday." That doesn't help you globally, and that and that's something that I think with uh, the, the Bundesliga, the, the Premier League, uh, and La Liga, I could see those leagues being more thinking about the big picture, think, thinking globally. Where um, kickoff times and, and when matches are scheduled have a hum humongous uh, effect on on the viewing figures and, and also in terms of uh, bringing fans in and, and trying to get them watching some more Serie A, so so a missed opportunity there. The game itself, uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, first half was pretty pretty poor, but the second half uh, uh, woke up and um, Paul Dempsey uh, from Santanta Sports, Stays uh, and Sky Sports, and Jerry Armstrong. The, uh, the former Northern Ireland and, and Spurs footballer uh, on the commentary in this one. And it was really great to hear these two voices because we don't hear them that often in the United States. Jerry Armstrong, especially. I think he does um, a lot of sp- Spanish football. Uh, used to be for Sky Sports, I think, but uh, but really enjoyable commentary on this one and uh, enjoyable to, to watch this game. All right, Karthik, let's move on to TV streaming news and uh, here's the big one.
1: Yeah, opening weekend of the Premier League season, we'll see the NBC crew heading to England again to broadcast on location. Coverage features on-site studio, pitch de- side desk, and commentary at Liverpool's Anfield for the season opener against Norwich City on Friday. On-site weekend commentary includes uh, Spurs versus Aston Villa uh, on uh, on August, Saturday, August 10th uh, at the new Spurs Stadium, and United, Man United versus Chelsea, the big one, Saturday, August 11th at Old Trafford. I have to say personally, I am really excited to see this Aston Villa team. Uh, Dean Smith, to me, last season in the championship, if you don't watch the championship, I think we talked about it a lot on the show, uh, the most progressive football in the country in, in uh, England, and I include Jurgen Klopp and and, uh, Mauricio Pochettino and and Pep Guardiola and that uh, Villa was a delight to watch after he took over that side. Now with well over 100 million uh, quid in spending, uh, thanks to their uh, American owner, Wes Edens, uh, Villa could be a very fun side to watch, even if they're fighting relegation much of the season.
2: Yeah, my match to watch this weekend is uh, Bournemouth against Sheffield United, uh, 10 a.m. Eastern time on Saturday on NBCSN. Uh, Bournemouth, uh, I mean, always, I mean, as each season goes on, uh, year after year, I've been more and more impressed with this with, with this club and the work that Eddie Howe is doing. And then Sheffield United, uh, especially with the new signing, uh, Ollie McBurney from Swansea City for, I think it was about uh, £20 million. But a really... One of my favourite uh, strikers. I mean, just uh, you, you know, you'll have to watch him to see if he's one of a kind. Kind of a almost, almost kind of a um, goes back in time in terms of his, his playing style, but a really exciting player to watch. But overall, I think this, to me personally, this is the game I'm, I'm looking forward to watching more than all the other ones. And, and there's some big ones this this uh, weekend.
1: I'm a sucker for Bournemouth. Uh this is uh, uh this created a lot of uh um laughter in my fantasy draft uh the uh, two weeks ago. But uh we're going through uh the first round, I got a late pick. I was uh, picking eleventh in the first round, so I took a flyer and said, You know what? I'm gonna pick Ryan Frazier with my first pick instead of a Liverpool City or or, or Spurs player like everybody else did and then Third or fourth round, I said, yeah, you know what? I'm going to reach a little bit and I'm going to grab David Brooks. So my fantasy team this season, Chris, will be heavily dependent on Bournemouth's midfield. And I kind of like it that way because I like watching them. I like the way Eddie Howe sets up his team. I like the way that those players, young players, have developed in that side. And um, my only regret is I didn't grab Callum Wilson also.
2: That reminds me, I have to update my uh, fantasy Premier League uh, team before this weekend's matches, uh, before Friday's game, but before the Liverpool-Norwich game. But uh, Correct, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next up in the news, um, US sports site The Athletic has spent uh, over £10 million uh, pounds to attract UK readers. So what they did this week is they launched officially in the UK. And what they've done is actually something unique. What they did is they looked at each of the clubs in the Premier League Um, as well as uh, some of the top writers from from Europe, and went ahead and recruited all of them. They stole them away from uh, the different newspapers and media organizations they've been working for to have them exclusively write for The the Athletic. So if you're a fan of Arsenal or if you're a fan of, say, Liverpool or whoever it may be, if you want to read the go-to writer for that club, chances are now that they're with the, The Athletic. Um, so even though it's launching in the U.K., the U.K. version, if you're in the U.S. or anywhere in the world, you could subscribe uh, to their, the, through their paywall to access that content. So some of the writers uh, that are included in this long list of people that they've recruited, Amy Lawrence, Daniel Taylor, James Pierce, Michael Cox, Oliver Kay, and Rafa Honigstein. And there you have about six of some of the best writers in the business. Um, it'll be interesting to see if this works because the kind of the paywall subscription uh, method in terms of soccer uh, is relatively new. I mean, when you think about it, I mean, yes, the, I think the Times had a paywall and some of the other UK uh, tabloid newspapers have, have had or have uh, paywalls. But um, this is something a little bit different. So it'll be interesting to watch. Now, Kartik, uh, from this past week, there was a major announcement. Which, which, when when people kind of hear it, they might think like, yeah, what does this have to do with soccer? But it actually,
1: it, it does in many ways. And I'll let you share the news. Yeah, so Disney this week announced uh, a twelve ninety nine a month bundle for Disney Plus, which is their new Disney streaming service uh, with with movies and Disney shows, etc. Uh, Hulu, uh, who of course Disney owns uh, a portion of, and ESPN Plus, which is of course also owned by Disney. Uh, this is. Quite frankly, uh, I'm not trying to promote any it, it's, it's a great deal, at least on the surface. Twelve ninety nine a month for these three products. Lots of uh, lots of soccer on uh, on ESPN Plus, obviously, and you can. Um, this allows you in in many ways to kind of enhance whatever uh, other subscriptions you have, uh, and maybe if this is Disney. You know, maybe. Behaving in a little way, a little bit in a way the way, the way Amazon have typically has uh, has behaved uh, in terms of of cutting costs on things so that you unsubscribe, you feel like, well, I don't really need uh, uh, Sling anymore, I don't really need uh, Fubo anymore, I don't really need whatever the, the competing service is, undercutting them on price, just throwing a lot of inventory out there and getting you to switch. Uh, but it's at least on the surface a very, very, very good deal.
2: To me, this this almost uh, feels like more of a uh an attack uh, in, in quotation marks against Netflix because you have Disney yeah. Plus, which is really, I mean, great family entertainment if you have kids or teens. Uh, Hulu, which is very much um, a lot of great uh, series like The Handmaid's Tale, which is fantastic, as well as uh, movies and other original content. And then you've got ESPN Plus, the, the sports side of things in terms of very heavy involved in the sports. So you have something here. You have one package that could benefit the whole family and. The family might say, or, or the head of the household might say, "Do we need Netflix anymore because we 've got this, this, and this combined into one for twelve hundred and ninety nine which is less than Netflix, um, depending on what package of Netflix uh, you get so that that is in itself um, pretty." Pretty enticing, I think, in many ways. I mean, Hulu – so the Hulu – there's different versions of Hulu. Hulu has um, one called Hulu Plus Live TV, which includes a lot of sports channels and and soccer, of course. Uh, That's not part of this package. This would be the the base Hulu package. But still, it's pretty enticing. The other thing about this, though, too, Kartik, is that – I mean, again, it it changes the price – the way we think about pricing – I mean, when ESPN Plus came along and said, "Okay, four ninety-five a month," I mean, I think everyone was like, "Okay, this is too good to be true. How long is this gonna gonna last? This this seems like they're. I mean, there's it's a, it's a catch. There's gotta be a catch somewhere. They're gonna raise the price by, I mean, I don't know, fifty dollars you know, next season. All all these kind of scare tactics. Um, and I think ESPN Plus is gonna keep that price for quite a few years uh, until they build up uh, an even bigger um, consumer base with that." The twelve ninety nine to me, it's gonna start asking, or putting thoughts in the heads of a lot of consumers because I think the consumers who want to have everything, who want to have all access to all the cable channels uh, he or she had before, as well as all the extra sports channels available, and then looking at this says, okay, maybe twelve ninety nine for all this too. That, I think that's gonna to be too much. So as Time goes on. I think people are going to make more and more conscious decisions about okay, what streaming package or what kind of combination is best for me, the consumer. What what what, what do I want to watch, or what, do I, what does my family want to watch, and what's the best fit? So, this is going to change things. I mean, this is definitely going to hurt Netflix, and I think it's going to ask a lot of questions in the heads of people where they start to think, okay, you mean should I go with this and stick with this? Will this give us give me everything I want, or or is this an add on to? Say sling TV or an add-on to, um, I mean Fubo or, or whichever uh, PlayStation View or YouTube TV or, or some other streaming service. At the end of the day, it gives us more options. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, the the, the other thing about this too is that uh, if you still want to have ESPN Plus at four ninety-five a month, you can get that. That doesn't change anything, and I, and I'm sure that there'll be. Uh, kind of a incentive if you want to subscribe or upgrade your subscription from ESPN Plus to Disney Plus. Um, you mean for however many dollars more? It hasn't hasn't been announced yet. You could get that, and if you want to get the whole package, then it's you know twelve ninety nine. But interesting, interesting stuff there too, and uh, we'll have to keep an eye on that one. And I'm sure we'll keep you updated. The next news item is that uh, Be In Sports has gone ahead and decided to. Uh, battle with Comcast once again and has called on the FCC to review an earlier decision on the carriage dispute between the two parties. So according to Sports Business, um, Comcast dropped the channel in 2018 that we know about uh, when its carriage deal expired and it refused to pay the rights uh, fee sought by BN. BN has argued that Comcast violated provisions in place when the FCC gave the green light to Comcast's acquisition of NBC Universal, However, the FCC's media bureau on July 1st ruled that Comcast had legitimate business reasons for dropping BN. And uh, the AP has reported that BN has now elected to return, to, claim, to return its claim to the FCC, accusing the bureau, the FCC, of making an unprecedented departure and acting solely based on Comcast's say-so. So essentially saying that uh, if Comcast says whatever, Comcast says jump, uh, FCC says how high. That That's kind of what uh, BN Sports is inferring there. To me, Kartik, at the end of the day, whether BN Sports wins or loses this this appeal, it could determine the future of this company, of this, this actual uh, broadcaster, whether they stay in business or not. If they lose this deal uh, on this appeal... It's possible that Bn Sports might say, "Hey, you mean we, we can't win? We, we we're, we've been dropped from B, uh, from DirecTV, and we can't get back onto Comcast. And Comcast is the number one cable distributor in the United States. Either we just, you mean, basically become a gold TV, or we we go out of business."
1: Yeah, I, I think that they uh, they're on the brink, uh, for better or for worse, and, and uh, this has pro- almost certainly has to go their way for them to have any sort of long-term viability
2: and last but not least uh, we talked before about Serie A starting up their season on August 24th and uh, a lot of great advertising in that uh, Barcelona-Napoli game but uh, I mean the opponents Barcelona uh, and their season starting um, soon but uh, over to you Kartik, to explain what's happening
1: yeah, the starting date for this upcoming La Liga season is in jeopardy due to a court case between uh, the the federation and La Liga, who've been battling a lot, right? The, the two of them uh, over numerous things, over whether Friday and Monday matches will be a thing this season. It's possible that the court may not reach a decision until uh, approximately four days before the season begins. Uh, as of now, the tentative schedule has uh, Barça opening the season on uh, the 16th, uh, which is Friday, against Athletic Bilbao, uh, but if the court rules that La Liga should not allow games on Fridays and Mondays this season. The league will kick off uh, the next day on Saturday, August 17th. Uh, Just, uh, uh, to, to, to mention, there have been some other disputes between the federation and the uh, league uh, about Copa del Rey and uh, the format of Copa del Rey. There have been clashes on that, and there have also been clashes, obviously, on the sanctioning of a match in the United States. So uh, the uh, it, it, its a far cry from what we have in the United States, where uh, the uh, U.S. Soccer Federation seems to act as if they are an agent of Major League Soccer and that they are the same—they uh, are the same entity in Spain, and this is the way it works in most. Uh, mature football nations the federation and the league butting heads once again
2: what a mess though i mean it's one of those things that with the premier league i think we knew the, the schedule i think it was about what a month ago maybe two months ago we, we knew kind of the uh how the schedule was going to work out for the first uh, several weeks of the season uh serie A, I think uh, announced theirs last week uh the bundesliga probably announced theirs about two to three weeks ago and here we have la Liga. Which could be, worst case scenario, four days before the season begins, uh, fans will not know whether or not Barcelona will kick off that game on on that Friday. Or whether all Friday games or Monday games will be banned and it'll be games just on Saturdays and Sundays. Uh, It's a similar instance to what's happening in in the Bundesliga in Germany where fans are protesting. Fans are saying, we don't want Monday games. Uh, and we've seen kind of uh, you know, during games and kind of different protests happening with you know, tennis balls being thrown on the pitch and those types of things. And a lot of the Monday games, I think the fans in Spain have been boycotting those games and um, saying enough's enough. We we want games on, on the weekends. mean, you know, We're working class. We, we're we working on Fridays and Mondays. We can't go yep. to these games. It's not as easy for us with transportation, et cetera. So at the end of the day, this is a big question. It, it's uh, who wins the battle? Is it the the TV consumer globally, or is it the, the fans locally uh, to that league? So so we'll have to watch this one, but this is uh, could have some big ramifications on this season. Moving on to TV ratings, uh, again, we'll have the whole list at worldsoccertalk.com. We'll go into more detail. just going to fly through these numbers real quickly. Um, the MLS All-Star game uh, between the MLS All-Star team and uh, Atletico Madrid. This one had the lowest... English-language TV rating in the history of Major League Soccer. Uh, 182,000 people watched this game on FS1. Combination of things here, too. You had FS1, who you the know, last season or two have gotten really poor MLS TV ratings. Uh, number two, there's weather delays. And, and number three, we talked about this last week, is Atleti. While I admire them and I admire... What they have accomplished, they are not the most exciting, attacking-minded team. They have a more of a pragmatic approach, and and even in this game too, they played a lot of their um, B-side of their team until the second half, where they brought up on some of the subs. Uh, On the Spanish language side, they did better. The viewing figure for this game, Unamás and Tuduyenne, had six hundred and twenty-six thousand viewers. So, so the Spanish language viewers tuned in, but the English language ones did not. And when you have MLS fanboys. Saying that, you mean, calling this game or the, the whole idea of an all star game, you mean, a dumb idea, uh, you know, you're in trouble.
1: It, it was also uh, running concurrent with a Democratic presidential debate, uh, which was uh, not something that they knew when they scheduled the match, mm-hmm. but also really not. Not helpful. Yeah, uh,
2: Atlanta United against LA Galaxy on Big Fox uh, this past Saturday, five hundred thousand, which is a, a good number there. Uh, Dortmund against uh, Bayern Munich in the, uh, the, the the Super Cup there too, the German Super Cup, four hundred one thousand viewers on Big Fox again, uh, impressive. US Women's National Team against Ireland on ESPN two, three hundred nineteen thousand viewers, and so forth. Since starting this podcast about 13 years ago, this is going back to 2006, it's been a long time, but almost every single summer, what we've done is we've had a season preview, uh, speaking to one of the producers uh, involved in covering soccer to find out what's going to happen, what we, we can look forward to for the coming season. In previous years, going back a decade or more, we would interview people from Fox Soccer Channel, from Satanta Sports, from ESPN. And pretty much at that time, that was the only place to find uh, any information about coverage and all the changes and things that were happening. These days, things are a little bit more uh, mainstream in terms of, um, the, the, of the TV companies uh, getting the information out there or having their own uh, news sources. But still, for us, for the listeners to World Soccer Talk podcast and uh, for diehard soccer fans, there's a lot of information that uh, doesn't get covered that, that goes into the, kind of the, the finer details. And that's why uh, we decided to go ahead and interview Pierre Musa, who is the, the lead executive producer for NBC Sports' coverage of the Premier League. And, and Pierre is a professional, um, you know, lives and breathes soccer, but also one of the best producers in the business and uh, has a keen eye for exceptional coverage. And uh, he, along with his team, who work incredibly hard, um, really incredible work ethic, uh put in so much time and effort into the Premier League every season and giving it the um really kind of the quality that, that, that in many ways it, it deserves. So here we go, here's our in depth interview with Pierre Musa going into detail about this upcoming uh, Premier League season. Enjoy. The first question I have, which is a pretty open ended question, is um what will be different and, and what will be um better this season than, than in previous years?
0: Well, I think it's, it's. I would start off with saying um, we spent a lot of time last season um, building up um, different avenues for Premier League fans to consume uh, the Premier League. So, uh, big focus on YouTube and uh, our YouTube original series. A big focus on uh, the Premier League Pick a Map. Uh, a big focus on podcasts. And so, uh, we're going to build on that success, and we're going to continue to to grow those platforms and reach the Premier League um, fans many different ways. So. That's the biggest thing I'd say from a, from a standpoint of um, we're building on last season's success, and then for this year, um, it's it's been by far and away the busiest um, summer season uh, I've ever been a part of when it comes to our uh, getting ready for the Premier League season. Uh, I'd even say it was it was it's as busy as the very first season when we were launching the Premier League, because uh, there's so much exciting new um, changes and opportunities uh, for the upcoming season. Uh, I think the first one that kind of uh, uh, that's probably the highest profile one is uh, the synergies with Sky. Uh, and what I've been saying a lot is that we've always had the benefits of being an international broadcaster. So, all 380 matches, all the support from Premier League Productions, all the resources, all the content. But now we're going to get the benefits of being a host broadcaster as well with Sky uh, and NBC's relationship. Uh, the first thing uh, is there's going to be a joint on site operation. So, we're going to be one technical operation, one production team. Um, there's uh, opportunities for you know whatever exclusive content Sky is able to um, produce or obtain, uh, whether it's special interviews, special access, um, we're going to be able to incorporate that into our broadcast. Um, their talent and our talents will um, be on each other's platforms. Um, we're hosting our very first uh, Transfer Deadline Day show from Sky Studios, uh, which is cr- incredibly exciting, uh, especially since that's the uh, been the, the, uh, destination viewing for transfer deadline days for as long as I can remember as a little child. So, um, to be able to host it from there and incorporating, um, their content, and our content, uh, Orla White will be based in the newsroom and wouldn't be surprised if he and Jim, uh, do some crossovers, um, on both broadcasts and do some walk and talk in the newsrooms together. So we're working very closely with Sky Sports News to work on that. So, Um, And then the most visual thing will be uh, a whole new rebrand of our our football or soccer coverage with Sky's um, uh, graphic looks. So that's going to be one of the most uh, uh, visual representations of some of the changes and synergies between the two companies. So Sky's probably a big, big focal point of of new um, changes for the upcoming season. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other one is just, as you know, the Premier League goes through three-year cycles and this is the start of a new three-year cycle. So with that comes, Some incredible opportunities. Um, There's a a new Premier League access guidelines, and that can be um, small things and big things. I mean, one of the things that will be allowed access to is to be able to shoot in unique um, areas of football grounds. So this weekend, Arlo's going to be filming some stuff in um, the home dressing room for Liverpool, um, uh, for Tottenham, and for Manchester United. So that's kind of opportunities to be able to take advantage of. And there's also and, uh special access to players, et cetera, that have been, that, uh, have been added uh, with the new Premier League guidelines. And schedule changes as well is something that has been discussed quite a bit, and, and uh, it's going to benefit uh, the American audience um, with regards to uh, the 2.45 p.m. Uh, uh, you know, Saturday quadruple headers, mm-hmm. so people on the West Coast get to see uh, uh, the late game. Uh, and then the Sunday kickoffs being moved back um, by half an hour helps, uh, helps our, our West coast audience as well as helps people um, uh, get to see the, the matches. Um, we're going to have now a two hour pre-match show, which will give us an opportunity. I think the biggest complaint our on-air team has is our shows are so tight. This time's limited. So to be able to have a, a two hour pregame show that we can dedicate to, to not only wrapping up Saturday's matches, but previewing Sundays and addressing all the headlines, it'll be a little bit looser and give give us an opportunity to really delve deeper into topics. So schedule really helps. Um, You know, the domestic uh, rights holders in the U.K. have changed, and Sky now um, uh, being the host broadcaster for the 1230 NBC window is is huge. They have all the first picks, and um, all the big six, big six matches have a better chance of being on that NBC window and uh, better matches in the NBC window. So ultimately we're going to be able to uh, show a broader audience in the United States uh, the key matches so those would be some of the, the bigger changes. And then, you know, VAR is something that's going to intrigue a lot of people. And we spent a lot of time um, getting prepared for that. And the Premier League has a fantastic plan to uh, to incorporate that into their broadcast. And uh, we're all landing tomorrow morning and going straight to the Match Center to meet with Mike Riley and Neil Swarbrick to, to have a demonstration of uh, the VAR protocol and actually see the Match um, Center in action. So we're going to make sure that we're up to speed on, on how that's being incorporated. So... Um, those are kind of the overview of some of the key um, uh, you know, changes uh, or exciting new newness to the season.
2: Yeah, it, it's a lot to get excited about. And, and I'm sure it's, um, in some ways, it's changed a lot from, say, the first day doing production of the Premier League from the United States so on the NBC Sports Network, as it was called then, uh, to now with NBC SN. And then, all, of course, the partnership and the synergy and the integration in, uh, to a large part with Sky Sports. One, one big question I have going into this weekend and actually coming for the, the whole season is how is NBC uh, SN going to uh, kind of cover uh, Christian Pulisic? I mean, you know, of course, you mean kind of the top American signing, a lot of expectation. I mean, how, how will you cover him? Are you going to cover him any differently than, say, you would uh, any other player?
0: Okay. It's, it's, it couldn't be more exciting for our audience, but it's a balancing act. Uh, but I, I think how he's covered is going to be based, it, in some part, is going to be dependent on him and and, uh, and how he performs success. You know, with everything, we're, we're very much editorial sound, and that means we cover all the key storylines and cover the important topics. But with that comes Christian is an important point mm-hmm. in him um, from our, from our uh, American audience. So, trying to find that balance is key. You don't want to um, overhype them, but you also want to make sure you cover the topics that people are talking about. You know, what's, what's interesting is our, our marketing team did some research, and uh, I'm going to grab it for you right now. But uh, what they asked was um, they asked uh, a bunch of people and did a poll about which players are you most excited about watching in the upcoming season. Choose one player from your own club and one player from a club you do not support and Polisic was number five of the players from your own club, and that's up next to Mo Salah, Marcus Rashford, Harry Kane, and Virgil van Dyke. so um, the bigger clubs. And then you go pick one player from a club you do not support, and Pulisic was number one with 25% of the votes. So there is a huge interest in him. And the, the other thing that, that I think is, you don't want to miss is there is great pride, and we, we have this experience a lot um, when we cover the Olympics, is there's great pride in your country. And when you have somebody from your country who's performing at the highest stage, uh, there's nothing more special. and There's nothing that, that gives you much, uh, you know, greater pride in, 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 a, in a player. So, and there's a relatability of, you know, he's from Percy, Pennsylvania, and here's, here's somebody, uh, a hometown hero that's now going on to play in the Premier League. So there will be a lot to cover and be, he will be a big focus, but you have to find that balance that, you know, again, if he may not be playing to start or how that balances, or maybe he's playing only 30 minutes, but I, I truly believe, as as he develops and and he, as he becomes a regular starter and has a huge impact the Premier League, it'll become a, a mainstream talking point. But um, it's going to be something that we're going to have to feel out that balance. And you know, we're gonna we're gonna start with on Wednesday. We're gonna go to Chelsea um, uh, uh, training ground and chat with him for a couple minutes. And and Kyle's gonna uh, be able to speak to him a little bit um, on camera as well. So. Um, there's there, that's the first step in a, in a lot of uh, interesting t- time for us uh, it's the first step in our coverage of him so I think this is something that we're going to all take um, steps with and, and try and find the balance of of covering him properly but at the same time not compromising the key editorial talking points uh, for each weekend matches
2: Another part of the balancing act too is uh, I would see in terms of, you know, obviously this is NBC or NBCSN covering uh, the Premier League uh, and then having so much uh, Sky Sports um, coverage and, and uh, talent and opportunities are available to you. H- how do you balance the two where I would ex- expect you to kind of make sure that the NBC, SN crew are, are kind of um, first and foremost in, in your selection or, or, or amount of uh, kind of on air camera time versus then trying to integrate the Sky Sports elements that would complement? Is that something you're you're very conscious of?
0: I think we're conscious of what's the most important thing we're talk. we need to talk about. And then what's the best way to communicate that? Um, I think uh, it's less about who says it, what's, you know, how it's said, as long as we cover the key topics, the most effective way. So um, that's always what we do. Uh, We always laugh when we say, you know, we put this running order together and it gets thrown out the window within the first five minutes when, you know, uh, storylines change or there's breaking news. So I, balancing act of of making sure you're you're incorporating certain things into the show it isn't really the priority as long as you're having the, the best effect um uh and you're communicating you know, the, the, it, you're covering the key storylines the most effective way is probably the best way to say it
2: okay and then uh, monday night football with gary neville and jamie Carragher, is there a possibility of incorporating a little bit more of that into the monday coverage
0: Absolutely. I think there's, there's a, there's a uh, opportunities to incorporate all of Sky's content into our broadcasts. Again, going back to the original point of, you know, it's, it's, you know, what's the most important thing we're talking about and what's the um, best way to, to cover it? And Sky's uh, on-air broadcast team and coverage is, is uh, the gold standard. You know, they, they are a, a huge part of the reason the Premier League is so popular around the world. And their, their match coverage and their studio coverage is exceptional. So, um, again, our audience is going to benefit from being able to have, see a lot more of that content in the United States. And it doesn't necessarily have to be just in the broadcast. Um, our YouTube coverage um, and, and platform is, has so much content that people can see. So if, if we can't get into the broadcast, it's going to be available on YouTube as well or, or via the, the social media channels. So as a, as a premier viewer, you're going to always get the, the most complete coverage uh, across all of our platforms.
2: And in terms of commentating, of course, Arlo White, uh, the lead commentator. But uh, will there be opportunities too for this season to, to bring in, uh, if needed, uh, Clive Tildesley and Derek Ray and, and, and other talent?
0: Yes, uh, Clive, Clive, and Derek will definitely be part of our broadcast this year. Uh, it's obviously always scheduled for um, uh, determined, uh, you know, determined on the schedule. But yeah, Clive will definitely, Clive and uh, Derek will definitely be both part of our broadcast okay
2: and then uh, what's the future of the uh, the premier League fan fest um you mean will they be coming back and and what's been the reaction from the premier league um to the ones you've done thus far
0: the The premier League has been uh over the moon uh, on the fan fest and they are huge supporters of it um they've decided to, to partner with us again um for this upcoming season um the plans are still being uh determined so how many and how they're being done is still uh, being determined and there'll be more details to come, but the Fan Fest will, do, will definitely be back. And, and they're, uh, they're a huge success. I mean, when you have uh, over 12,000 people um, outside Fenway Park, you know, on a rainy day uh, cheering on their clubs, it's a special atmosphere. And to me, uh, what I love the most about the FanFest is they, they are the, the best example of the Premier League experience. To a lot of people that may not be familiar with it, uh, it, it, it it's, it's uh, an infectious atmosphere. And a lot of people have said to me, well, I don't really follow soccer, but I went to FanFest. Do you believe that they, they sing and chant for 45 minutes, take a 15-minute break, and do it again for another 45 minutes? This is incredible. And, and you're like, yeah, it's really a lot of fun to be a part of it. And one of the biggest things we've focused on uh, from NBC is is creating a community. So um, whether that's via social media or that's via all our platforms or it's via the broadcast or welcoming people into your home, or creating this, this family atmosphere, we want to make sure that everybody feels like they're part of something special in that community. And it's not an exclusive community. It's, it's a very inclusive community. And the more people understand what it's like to be part of this, this, this Premier League experience, the more they're going to want to watch, the more they're going to want to consume, and the more they're going to want to be a part of it. And the fan fests are, are great examples of that, where you can take a bunch of people and give them a communal experience to, to celebrate the Premier League.
2: And then the last question I've got, Pierre, is about VAR. I mean, you mentioned already that um, the talent and, and the team will be going to meet with uh, the PGML MOL, uh, guys and, and to kind of talk more about VAR. When when, when VAR is used, and it, it's, I mean, we're all hoping that it's going to be flawless, but we know that there's going to be instances where it's going to be controversial at times because, I mean, it's, it's such a huge talking point. Uh, I would guess that NBC Sports uh, would would kind of rely on, on the world feed in terms of the, the TV production and everything we're seeing. But do you foresee maybe supplementing that VAR analysis with your own coverage or your own on-screen graphics on-site or any uh, any other things that can help uh, lead the viewer to, to saying, okay, yeah, that was the right decision or, or it wasn't, or, or are you going to let it more kind of go with the world feed and, and, and rely on, on their
0: expertise? Well, I, I think the, the biggest job for us is to educate um, people when it comes to VAR in, in, the, in the Premier League, because um, wh- I've, I've seen several presentations already. They have a phenomenal plan um, to execute and communicate um, VAR to the audience, um, and they put a lot of thought into it. They've been testing a lot the last year, uh, so... I think there's a lot of learning lessons from what's done before. They're also very specific on what they can review and what they can't review, and, that's again, that's our job to communicate. But if you're watching the broadcast, it's going to be very obvious because what they've created is um, when there's a delay, they will go to uh, double box, and the double box, one will be the the live picture, and one will be the VAR output, what the VAR rep is is specifically looking at. So you will be seeing in real time exactly what they're reviewing and what they're doing and that could be adding a off sideline it could be this is the key angle they're looking at the penalty you're watching exactly what they're looking at and they'll notify you of the decision so there's no ambiguity over the angles they're looking at how they're looking at and what they're looking at it so i think that's going to alleviate a lot of the um questions that people are going to be having and also it's if, if there's going to be the, the tv production is going to be in sync with var so tv production not showing a replay of the penalty when the thing they're looking at is the offside line, or vice versa. So ultimately, this double box um, allows you to know exactly what they're looking at, and it's going to really help um, with that communication process. There's a lot of things that they're going to do um, slightly different in execution-wise and what they're going to review um, than the World Cup, and I think that a lot of the things that caused um, a lot of the controversies in the past won't be uh, won't apply to the Premier League. But I think they all know that there's still going to be controversies, there's still going to be debate, and you can take an incident where half the room thinks it's a red card, half the room thinks it's a yellow card. That controversy is not going to change. What they're hoping to do is, um, and I can give you the exact stats, um, bear with me one second, but they're hoping to improve the key match incidents. And they do heavy, heavy data, and they basically said that they can get the key match incidents um, raised by a significant margin um, that's going to affect the, uh, uh, the results. So, mm-hmm. their key match incident accuracy was 82%. And then last year, they had 41 incorrect onsite or offside calls that, if were overturned by VAR, that key match accuracy is improved to 87%. So, they feel that they can then uh, affect the, in- the integrity of the league by significant margin. And 31 of the 41 incorrect onsite, offside calls alone. Um, we're at a level or one goal difference match. So those are those are 31 games that were potentially decided by um, uh, uh, a missed opportunity by the refs that can now be corrected. So they want to basically say, hey, we're going to improve um, really key match incidents, and there's still going to be um, debates and controversies over um, interpretations of, of whether red card, yellow card, et cetera, et cetera, but the, the – Majority of things they can improve, they're going to improve, and they feel that's going to have a huge impact on the game and ultimately the results. So they, they have a they have a really well thought out plan. And um, as as I as Arlo White likes to say, you know the laws of the game uh, of football were created the same year the Battle of Gettysburg, and they haven't changed since. And uh, you're, it's it's an unfair, and I can't think of a better word than saying unfair responsibility for one man to manage 22 players on the pitch with, uh, without the support. And now he's getting a little bit of support from technology, and I think it's going to make the league better. Yeah. So to answer your question short, there will still be the debates, but I think they have a, a very, very good plan to um, uh, how to implement VR to improve the results. Yeah,
2: and it's also unfair for the, uh, I mean, the referee based on, and then there's millions of people around the world watching that game, ha- having better access to, I mean, replays and all that footage than, than the actual referee that's on the pitch. So, so yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And I think it's just like the Christian Pulisic, it's it's going to be kind of a step-by-step process as we kind of uh, get knee-deep into the, the Premier League and, and sit back and, and enjoy it, and it's, it's going to evolve from there. So, um Thank you, Pierre, for your time. I really appreciate it, and uh, best of luck this season. We're looking forward to watching um, another. another, What we hope is going to be another great year.
0: No, it's a it's a very very exciting upcoming season, and there's so many things to to be excited about. And the Premier League is the most compelling football uh, league in the world, and so um, you know you couldn't ask for anything more than that. So, um, thanks for chatting with me. I really enjoy it. I always enjoy chatting with you.
2: All right, listener mailbag. First up is JP. JP says, I can't believe anyone's initial reaction to the Bundesliga news would be overwhelmingly positive. You guys already went through all the downsides about this uh, regarding their current situation. It was also my first thought when reading the comment about it here last night on WolfSoccerTalk.com. The drop in ICC ticket sales has less to do with more sophisticated fans or high prices and more to do with the novelty wearing off. They need to increase the diversity of clubs and leagues that are part of this every year. Instead of the same big clubs that seem to be part of it every year, maybe have a few anchor big clubs and then fill the rest with lesser-known teams we never see here, like PSV or Ajax, Atalanta or Sampdoria, uh, Villarreal or or Real Betis, uh, Gladbach or Leipzig, etc. Craig Shapiro says, You guys got the Bundesliga talk right. My immediate reaction was... Good for my wallet, bad for the league. I think that uh, the Bundesliga wants to compete for American interest alongside the EPL, but ESPN Plus will make the league even more fringe here. Hope they contracted a high number of over-the-air games in the deal. Leo says, could you guys talk a little bit about Premier League broadcast in Spanish in future podcasts? Uh, We'll we'll definitely attempt to do so, Leo. I, I know that for this opening weekend, it seems to be that there's more... Uh, Premier League games on Spanish language coverage than before in the past. So a lot of the games this weekend are on uh, uh, Universo. Um, so you'll be able to catch those as well as usually the Sunday games on uh, Telemundo. But uh, yeah, we'll keep an eye on that. Ritik says, uh, Hi Chris and Karthik, I know that ESPN Plus shows championship games that are televised on Sky Sports in the UK. But does that include games on the Red Button service? I remember trying to watch a Forest Villa game last season that was on the red button service in the UK, but wasn't shown on ESPN+. Plus. Um, also, this question might have been asked on a previous podcast, but do you know if ESPN is planning to have an analyst alongside the play-by-play commentator in championship games? Also, will they have halftime analysis and highlights? So, the halftime analysis, um, no, as of yet. Uh, the highlights, usually they show the highlights uh, at halftime from the world feed. Uh, do you know if ESPN Plus is having is planning on having a, a co-commentator? I don't think so. I think that's pretty much um, the way it goes with the championship. You get that solo commentator, uh, which is okay. I I, I don't mind that. Um, and then the the first question too about the red button service, which is a great question. So from previous experience from this past season, is that. Uh, so in the United States, we get far more games on ESPN Plus, championship games on ESPN Plus, than uh, they do on Sky Sports in the UK. Um, but there were a couple instances last season where there was games available on the red button service in the UK that were not available in the US, and and probably that game you mentioned, the Forest Villa game, was one of those. Um, so we will do the best to update our championship TV schedule page on worldsoccertalk.com with complete listings. But from time to time, uh, there are games that are not shown. And oftentimes, I have to contact ESPN Plus directly to confirm whether or not they will show those games. So hopefully, uh, Ritik, that answers your question. Mark Do- uh, Doherty says, uh, Hi, guys. Had a question. Maybe, it's, maybe it makes it on the pod. Yes, it does. <laughs> I just saw an article from 90 Minutes via Footmob stating that the FA... Actually, Kartik, I'll have you answer this one. The FA is releasing an a FA player for the Barclays Women's Super League. It will have access to all 150 live domestic league games, select access to women's championship games, highlights for the Lionesses, and highlights for the Women's FA Cup, uh, all free of charge. Do you guys know anything about this? Is it free to access in the US? How do you think this will affect the NWSL, if so? <sighs>
1: So I saw the very same article, Mark, and I'm not sure about um, the actual um, specifics uh, of it. I'm going to try and flush it out. Uh, The uh, 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 WSL season starts in a month, uh, September 7th. So definitely want to get that squared away beforehand. If these matches and European Champions League matches, Women's Champions League matches are more readily available on U.S. television, uh, it probably doesn't help nwsl or you know or more available in in terms of streaming also um However, uh, NWSL is kind of in its own own universe. Maybe more women's football on television helps and on streaming um, helps NWSL. I don't think it does, but it's possible it just creates more interest in in, uh, the women's side of the sport between major competitions. We know there's enormous uh, interest in the women's women's football product during World Cups, Olympics, and, and she believes Cups and things like that. But there's not much in between in the club game. So it will be free, and I can I can
2: confirm that it will be available in the US. And I guess my thing, Kartik, with this one is with the FA Player is whether or not I mean, like, so a lot of the American players that may play a lot, a lot of players from England that might be playing in these games. Uh, if you're a fan of women's soccer, and it's more accessible, maybe perhaps in some ways uh, to watch these games through the FA Player for free. Uh, versus watching some of these games on what ESPN plus or ESPN news something ESPN news maybe not everyone even gets that Uh, there's an opportunity there for the FA player to kind of really take some of the limelight away from the NWSL so I I guess it's one of those things I think as time goes on we'll see its effect and, and how well the FA promotes the availability of this and and, uh, and at the end of the day probably one of the most important things is what the production's is like how, how is the stream? what's the i mean is there any technical issues is it easy to watch these games can you have the app on your roku or on your amazon fire those types of things could have a huge impact and, and actually could hurt the nwsl um, in many ways last but not least and this is a great uh question and some feedback here from leo he says hey the scottish league kicked off last week but enjoying the true british soccer is far more easy the league is very proud that the spfl is represented in 119 countries around the world however in my opinion it is important not only where but how your product is presented only one game from the match day and and the the actual highlights review last in less than 13 minutes and, and let me just chime in here too so the Scottish League for the season is uh, continuing to be on Bleacher Report Live, so BR Live. But just as in this past weekend, uh, there was just one game showed, and I think on the Monday usually they have the the SPFL FL highlights show that's available through BR Live. Uh, Leo goes on to say, that, I analysed this situation with broadcast rights in different countries and realised that this is the same in all countries. In New Zealand, BN Sports uh, features another second division game in addition to one um, premiers- Scottish Premiership game. Even in the UK, the same situation. There is no contract with BT and only one game per week on Sky and one more game of the second division on the local BBC. If there are two large teams, Celtic and Rangers, one of them remains out of coverage if they do not play uh, against each other. There is practically no chance of seeing games without the participation of two giants. Does this mean uh, being well? Rep- uh, does this mean being well represented in 119 countries? Maybe I'm not the smallest person, and I don't understand everything in this business. But even working on a small football channel in a larger country, we realise that the Scottish Premiership is not the best league to buy. Ten years have passed, and the situation is only getting worse. And it's the reality of. The league right now, Karthik, I think in many ways, is that um, it's exciting to watch. I mean, the old firm derbies, I mean, whenever those are on, I always try to watch. Um, there are other t- exciting teams. Aberdeen is another team. I mean, there are exciting teams in that league. There's a lot of passion. Um, but I think in many ways, probably the Scottish Prem- Premiership is probably the one league that's been impacted the worst, uh, the most about g- globalisation. So, say, you mean twenty years ago, Celtic. A lot of people would be paying um, pay per view or going to different pubs locally to go watch a game that was Celtic against whoever or Rangers against whoever. They still that do that to this day. But in the United States, I think that was something that was that happened quite often. Fox would show the Fox Soccer Channel would show those uh, some of the games over the weekend. But as globalization has happened and have we as we have had now more access to the Spanish League, the French League, the Italian League, I mean, all these different leagues from around the world, from South America, we can now pick and choose the best soccer or the the soccer that fits our taste the, the most a lot more easier than we did before. And the Scottish League now, when you compare it to the other leagues from around the world, pales in comparison. And it's just the reality of the situation. I'm not sure what else can be done other than, I mean, if you do want to watch the Scottish football and you, you're interested in it, um i believe that all the teams or most of the teams in the scottish premiership have uh, streaming packages where so we can subscribe directly to the club itself and and see all their home and away matches and, and that's probably the best solution if you are interested but for the mainstream uh, other than the one or maybe two if you're lucky uh spl games a weekend that's about it Leo sums up, in, actually one more point too from Leo here, who he says, in the, in the last podcast, you discussed the French League's discontent over how BN Sports works with their content. I agree that Ligue 1 does not deserve it better uh, than what they have now from BN Sports, but it's better to act like that instead of watching your league fail directly or fall directly into the, the abyss. I understand that comparing the Scottish Premiership and the French League is not entirely true, but I'm talking about the trends and the ability to sell a product. And and yes, Leo, you're, you're absolutely right. If you're the CEO of Ligue 1, you, you have to be demanding more or, or wanting to get more respect. Um, and I think for us on, this, on last week's podcast, we kind of called it the way we see it with the French League. It's an exciting league. It is a stepping stone in many ways. If you want to watch some of the best talent from around the world uh, before they move on to the Premier League or league, uh, La Liga or the Bundesliga or Serie A, most of the time, that raw talent is the best place to watch that is League 1. All right, listeners, you can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Come on, wake up, Kartik! <laughs> Plus, of course, you can post your comments on uh, worldsoccertalk.com. So, Kartik, where can they find you if they want to uh, see what's, what you're up, up to and uh, your thoughts about politics, history, or soccer?
1: Yeah, certainly Steve McLaren putting me to sleep on uh, the Sky Sports coverage uh, this morning. Although I have to say, uh, as we've uh, uh, moved on to this podcast, there have been – uh, cameo appearances from Graham Lusso and Robbie Earle. So uh, I'll go back and rewind. I'm taping this. Maybe they've given some uh, of that, that crack NBC-level analysis that's usually <laughs> lacking on on Sky. Uh, you can find me at KKFLA737 on Twitter. All right. Well, so for more Soccer Crack, uh, thanks for listening. You can get a new episode
2: of the World Soccer Talk podcast every Thursday. Every episode is released on SoundCloud, Spotify. Pandora, YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, Audio Boom, Overcast, and WorldSoccerTalk.com. Practically everywhere and anywhere you can find podcasts, we are there. If you like the show, share it with your friends on social media, and we'd really appreciate it if you give us a review on iTunes. Let us know how we're doing. And Kartik heading into the Premier League weekend, and so much more happening this weekend. Uh, what should they do? Enjoy your football.